Hey, Jake, I got a question for you. Sweet. What do the following artists have in common? Mm, nothing. <clears throat> the Violent Femmes, mm-hmm. Love, John Cale, The Kinks, Fleetwood Mac, Velvet Underground, Jackson Brown, Bob Dylan, Daniel Johnston, Blondie, The Ramones, <laughs> Beach Boys, Sun Ra, Graham Parsons, Queen, The Cure, Hank Williams, Great Grateful Dead, Big Bopper, Patsy Cline, Outkast, Bee Gees, Nancy Sinatra, The Birds, T-Rex, Brian Eno, Yoko Ono, The Who, Iggy and the Stooges, Yes, The Rhythmics, Billy Joel, David Bowie, Earth, Wind & Fire, The Nesplits, and The Pretenders. What do they all have in common? Uh, well, if memory serves me correctly, and this is an easy one, they all play music of some sort. Is that correct? They were all covered on record by Yola Tango. Uh, okay. Plus dozens of others. <laughs> Day on Louder in the Sound, we're taking a look at one of Yola Tango's true masterpieces, the 1993 indie rock classic, Painful. Welcome to everyone's favorite show, Louder Than Sound. Our first and only question for the contestants is... What's louder than sound? Theoretical noise particulates from the 15th dimension? What's louder than sound? Uh, nothing, Alex, because of course this is a theoretical question. What's louder than sound? What is two brothers, who are mostly similar, but sometimes dissimilar taste in music, asking each other to listen to and absorb some of their favorite music albums based on idiosyncratic themes that they likewise force each other to consider? That's loud! Hello and welcome to Louder Than Sound. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Jake, and the other host, Chaz. Hey, it's me. Yeah, and today we're talking about uh, what, what Charlie likes to call uh, a, a theme called late bloomers, and what I like to more eloquently call albums that we didn't like at first but ended up loving. So I think I don't. That know. is not more eloquent. You can have a you can have a fist fight bloomers. out there, audience, as to whether uh, who who's more right. But I think I please am. do, and please let us know who wins. <laughs> Yes, in each and every case. I know there'll be multiple... Each, every single fight. Fist fights oh, no, amongst loved ones about mm-hmm. who... Brother against brother, sister against mother. <laughs> it's like the Civil War Fred. all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about one of the, one and or of those two things um, today. And Charlie's going to be talking about a Yola Tango album called Painful, which is kind of a late bloomer for both of us, um, in a way. I'll get to that later. Um, but just on the topic of these late bloomer albums, um, I, this hap- seems to happen a little less often than I thought it did. I thought for whatever reason I had all these examples of albums that I put on and I didn't like. And then, mm-hmm. you know, ten, I kind of thought the same thing. Yeah. Ten years later, I'm like, oh, well, this is amazing. Or you finally get it or you finally get uh-huh. into that genre or whatever. Um, you know, I'd like to find more hidden gems that were in plain sight the entire time because I bought like a million CDs and records at this <laughs> point. So, like, I'd like that. I'd like that to kind of go. Uh, you know, to kind of to kind of work like out the some experience my of buying a new album without actually buying, having to spend the money on a new album. Yeah, that too. Uh, exactly, exactly. And to be like in love with something, you know, that's such a rare treat these days to really mm-hmm. be in love with something, um, especially if you already had it. So uh, I feel like my ears and preferences get more solidified as I get older, um, and I just seem to know what I'm going to like faster and more accurately, or at least I think so. Uh, but probably more than that, I rarely even make time for an album that I don't immediately like because of all the choices I now have with the streaming and the widespread availability of music reviews and being able to kind of corner myself into you know my preferred genres and artists, um, no matter how like adventurous I want to be. If I don't like something within the first song, it's pr- I'm pretty much going to, I'm not going to do it. Maybe the second song, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I do. Uh, but back in the 90s, I bought albums all the time that I knew next to nothing about and had never heard besides maybe a single or two or were from my already favorite artists or I read about. Jay, I was yeah. I was famous. You'll remember like we remember we got Christmas money because our parents were always generous with money for music. At Very Christmas generous. Time. And I always made a point of, uh, of buying one album that I'd never listened to a note of. Uh-huh. And uh, I found some like some of my all-time favorite albums through that, but I also found some real stinkers. Stanky. So I, stopped, I stopped doing that at some point. <laughs> just stanky, stanky, stanky. Yeah. Uh, my wife Brooke uh, shares that passion with you. She will just go early. She's she, really good at it. She's super good at it. Her batting average is kind of weirdly high. Like some of our favorite, favorite, favorites are because she just went and saw an album cover and bought it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason she did. Um, so some of the ones that I bought back then, you know, some percentage of them were definitely duds, but what were you going to do back then? It was just like, well, I have this CD now you could go resell it and stuff like that. Um, but then I might look later at my very finite collection of music. And because I was bored with my favorite albums, I might just pop in one of those duds and the dud would turn into a revelatory hit and it felt so good. But more than that, it may be unable to get rid of any of the music that I bought. Because I just, I just thought, what if, what? If, which that included burn CDs for me. I could not for a long time. I could not get rid of my burn CDs that I got from friends or whatever. Like this hat we talked about last episode. How that's exactly what happened with Wilco's being there. It was just a burned CD that was kicking around my big black awful book that I had that I brought in the car with me on road trips. And I just was like, man, I'm bored. I'm putting this on one more time. And then I loved it. So. From that point forward, like, how can I get rid of anything? What if I love it in 10 years? <laughs> what if I've given it four chances, but the fifth is the one that makes me love it, you know? You know, life is full of uncertainty. <laughs> and bad choices. Uh, that having been said, I've tried to love some things that I thought, you know, I might love later that I didn't love at the time. Uh, the, the one that I was thinking of was Arcade Fire's Reflector. I've tried to listen. I've tried to love that album so many times, and that's your favorite Arcade Fire record, which just it is. It astounds it's only me. Only because you're wrong and you have bad taste in music. No, it's okay. No, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. But by the way, I should. Uh, I I will let you know that I finally got rid of that Space Hog CD that I've had since 1999. So you can <laughs> you can be proud of me because that wasn't happening. Bro, but that wasn't bro, happening. Jay. You know, 20 years later, that's you would know. You know what I mean? Uh, so we're going to discuss an album now, Chaz, that you didn't mothball or sell for two fifty at the local cheapo, but instead, instead held on to and ended up loving. So why don't you tell us about Yola Tango's Painful? Well, let's start with the Yola Tango tale. It's another one that, like Wilco from last episode, started with me in high school. Ooh. First got into Yola Tango in 2000 after, and then nothing turned itself inside out. That's my, out. That's my favorite one. That's my favorite one. It's great. I love it. And I, you know, I bought it based on good reviews. Ended up absolutely loving it. And I was really thinking about this, Jake. And I'm curious if you could, and what you can come up with too is how many bands you followed continuously since high school. So we're into 20 plus years. I graduated from high school 20 years ago. Like there are not many bands that I got into in high school and never stopped liking and listening to until like the present day. The only one I can um, think I of, the only one I can think of right off the top of my head is Radiohead. Radiohead was one of mine too. So Yola Tango is one of them, Radiohead, and the last one I came up with was Godspeedy Black Emperor. Okay. We had 10 years off, and they had 10 years off in the middle of the Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't give you a chance. They just came out with a new album last month, and I bought it, and I like it. So there's that. Just straight up. Yeah, Wilco's Yola Tango, I I almost dropped out on Yola Tango uh, right before Fade came out in 2013. Oh, I love that album. But they had like four years off between albums, and they just weren't on my radar, and I wasn't thinking about them, and I, I... 
wasn't gonna buy it and then like I, think I got a free so good, though. I got a free downloads or something somewhere and bought a digital copy and then I'm really liking it coming right back in. So Fate, that was the closest Fate is good. Fate is good. Get. Yeah. So after getting in the Nothing Turn Itself Inside Out, I went back to their nineteen ninety seven album, I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's uh is my personal favorite by them, and I think it's usually considered their best. Most people will I think so too. And I, I love that album. Um and then I think Painful was my next one after that Ooh, for them. Okay. Because that one is another one that's like, it was you know, very highly reviewed. That's the other one that shows up a lot of times on people's, you know, favorite albums of the 90s and stuff. And uh, I never just liked it. Like, I never thought this was a bad album. It just kind of like, was like, okay, you know, I just listened to it and, you know, nothing really registered, nothing really got under my skin. And um, so I'd go long periods between listening to it. You know, never had, like, any desire to get rid of it. Like, it was nothing like that. But it, after the last two, it set me so thus that I own it. It's been set me so on fire. It got me so excited about it. I liked them so much. Um, Painful was just like, meh. And kind of the same action happened, actually, to uh, the, it's the album Between Painful and I Can Hear the Beating as One, Electro Pura. Mm. It was also one that I bought, you know, somewhere in there and thought, yeah, this is pretty good. And that was it. And that one came up later on and went, oh, this is really great. Anyway, with Painful, I know where it happened, because they in 2014, they released a deluxe edition of it called Extra Painful. Yeah. Um, with a bonus disc and then a whole bunch of bonus downloads. I bought right. the CD version. Um, and so something about that new context of listening to it in a slightly different way, of like giving hmm. it another chance and putting it in the context along with all these other tracks, because it had, you know, another 25 tracks or something with it. The bonus disc is interesting. Uh, anyway... Like somewhere in there, maybe like suddenly this album just suddenly made more sense until it hit me as to how amazing this album was. And, and then I couldn't stop listening to it and listening to the set. Because um, the bonus disc, the, the second disc was really great. It's, it's almost like, because they didn't, they didn't just pack it in on the second disc. It isn't like a 75-minute CD just so they can get as much music on there as possible. Instead, it's like, a, it fit on one LP, you know, it's 45 minutes or something. And so it almost reads more like a alternate version of the album. Hmm. With mm-hmm. songs and there's a couple tracks that didn't acoustic make the album. Ones, there's like acoustic ones on there. There's acoustic, there's demos on there. There's demos. a couple live tracks on there. But the way it's sequenced and everything, it's not just you know in order of when it was recorded or something. It's sequenced as if it's its own album, and like it, it has a nice flow to it too. From you know, you can think of the different vinyl sides and everything. So it's kind of interesting in that way. And the bonus downloads, that is one where I burned it onto you know one CD and it fit on. You have 15 tracks and it's 78 minutes long or something. But it's, you, know, yeah. you just get a pile of extra stuff, which is great, too. So I want to give us just a little bit of history of Yola Tango and how we came up to this point. So Yola Tango, the core members are an adorable married couple named Ira Kaplan <laughs> and George Hubley. Oh, man. Happily married. Happily married after all these years. They formed the band in 1984. And I am going to go so far, Jake, as 84. to say that they're indie rock's most adorable couple. Definitely, especially since the Sonic Youth thing went sour. Like Kim Well, and they were never, I mean, we liked them together. But I don't know if Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon were actually adorable. You know? Yeah, and they're kind of prickly and arty, I guess. You're, yeah, yeah, but, you know, they, they fit for a while until Thurston Moore got be a jerk and cheated on her, apparently. I don't know. Whatever. The only ones, the only ones that I was going to come up with were Wynn Butler and Regina Casson. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's from, a good uh, one. From Arcade Fire. And then... The one that really I think gives them a run for their money is Chris France and Tina Weymouth from Talking Heads and uh, Tom Tom Club. But they're not together anymore. Just oh the no, no, they are. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Are. You're right. You're right. I'm Double sorry. Whoa, Chaz. I can see that that is your answer because you were so upset that I even, I even I am. brought that I'm upset. up. I'm very How dare sorry. you 
slander their beautiful marriage. (laughs) Their beautiful relationship. I'm sorry, Chaz. I'm sorry. I did mention a couple other uh, breakups of adorable couples with Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon. Not as adorable. I guess that was now truly adorable. Was Ben Gibbard and Zoe Deschanel? Oh yeah, it didn't last very long. It was like almost too adorable. Too adorable. I think that was probably what happened. Yeah, the Twee Pacific Northwest indie gods were like, nope, too much. (laughs) No, I think only lasted like three years, if even that. They didn't last very long. Yeah, they just make moony, moony eyes at each other. Yeah, no thanks. Too too much. (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Uh, So they—that's the core. They went through a whole bunch of different, especially bass players. So it feels like they were like the final <laughs> tap with bass players. They just That's funny. went through them like nobody's business. They couldn't do drummers because Georgia Hubley is the drummer. Um, until they landed on <laughs> James McNew in 1982. Yeah. He came in for their fifth album, May I Sing With Me, which isn't that great. But he was fully integrated in time for their sixth album, which is painful. painful. And uh, unlike, this is their second one that's really worthwhile. They yes. have like their, their earlier albums are not bad they're just uneven and not amazing um except for fake book from 1990 that's a great one okay they were just trying they're clearly trying lots of stuff they clearly have a lot of interest in a lot of different musics that goes into all these different covers they've done um they, they seem like they're trying to be lots of bands early on they suddenly they're trying to be really hardcore like they're more like youth like he's trying to eric kaplan's trying to sing about drugs and stuff and like trying to be and he's just they're not hardcore they're not they're they're so regular they're just they're so soft like, normal people yeah and um and that's just it's one of the the things that's nice and likable about them they're just they seem so like just completely regular folk like you could just hang out and drink a beer with these people and it wouldn't be a big deal at all um they're known for their encyclopedic knowledge of rock history mm-hmm. and lots of covers as mentioned um and also doing multiple dramatically different versions of their own songs, which includes Painful, where they have two different versions of the song from a Motel 6 that are really, 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 really different. Yes. Um, but they, they're, they're covering is what, I mean, that's kind of, kind of one of the things they're known for, is they do this, and they don't do it every year, but they did it for several years in a row, was as a fundraiser for their favorite local uh, radio station, because they're from Hoboken, New Jersey. That's right, um, famously. And they would go on for an hour or two, and uh, as a fundraiser, if you donated a certain amount of money, they would play any request of any song ever. That's right. Like you would say whatever song you wanted in all of the history of music. And uh, they would give it a try, even if they had no clue what song it was. And they would just on the spot cover it. And a lot of times, they've released a couple compilations. Of, you know, they're horrible, but also interesting and fascinating. And, you know, anyway. So getting to painful here, my thoughts on Jake's thoughts. Okay. Let's, now, let's hear it. That I know he is somewhat aware of painful and I know he likes some, likes himself some Yola. I know you're a big oh, fan of that. Lo- love me some Vincent. Yola. Yola endures and I'd be like, me. I can hear the heart beating as one also. Um, oh, so my. listen to this. I'm sure yes. he enjoys the kind of proto dream pop quality to painful. Mm-hmm. I know you're a dream pop fella. And this is clearly one of the influences in there. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's unpretentious and tuneful, which you're going to like. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking there are, I can't come up with any major complaints you'd have with this album, mm-hmm. but I could also see you probably not being madly in love with it. I think you could see, I could see you kind of being like where I was at before the deluxe edition came out and blew things, my things open for me. Okay. We're like, there's not a lot to dislike, but probably it doesn't like just drive you nuts and make you in love with it. Is okay. one thing. All right. So I'm thinking you're giving it around a two. Okay. All right. You say two, you might be right. Let's find out. 
like you, Chaz, I discovered this uh, much later than 1993. My first Yola Tango experience was with um, and the heart. No, uh, uh, what what's that? What's what's the one? What's, I can hear the heart beating as one. No, what's the one I like? It's the one after that. And then nothing turned itself inside oh, that's out. That's my favorite. They like one. long titles. I love that one. Yeah. Well, my favorite title of any of their albums is "I'm Not Afraid of You and I Will Beat Your Ass." Clearly, <laughs> which is the best title it's for anything ever. Yeah. Just you know, after I'm gone, put that on my memoirs. You know, sell it, sell it. <laughs> number one hit. Great stuff, yeah. <laughs> I think I will. Jake back. 1982. 20, 2080. 2080. I'm gonna live to 2080. 100. No problem. No Quotation problem. marks. Beloved husband and father. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that stuff. I am not afraid of you, and I will beat your ass. <laughs> I'm under that like a little, a little ampersand. That's like the best title for anything ever. <laughs> Uh, so that was my first one. Actually, my, uh, you know, my friend Colin introduced me to that. He loved it. And then I loved it. And then, so I went like backwards, forwards. I was disappointed like everyone else with Summer Sun. Um, uh, but probably Painful is the like sixth or seventh album that I've, that I ended up loving by them, you know, because, uh, maybe I, I thought that you knew this, but I, I rediscovered Painful or discovered it actually, uh, based on the reissue as well. Oh, right. I, was no, like, I, I remember encouraging you to get the reissue, but no, yeah. And I, I just like I read about it, and I was like, okay, I'll do it because I love Yola Tango, and like all, all of their later albums, I'm pretty well into. Like Fade is great, right. the ones before that. Um, well, Summer Sun's a little bit of a, like a dip. Yeah, I don't like Summer Sun, but that's it's fine. It's their only like late period, and not even late period. Last yeah. 25 years, it's their only weaker album, and it's, yeah. it's not awful. It's just kind of blah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it just wasn't... I don't know, it's weird to be great. mad at Yola Tingo because... <laughs> but yeah, popular songs. Fate is great. Fate is wonderful. The, popular songs is wonderful. Is good. Yeah, I'm Not Afraid of You is good. Even I like their last one, too. I can't remember what it's called, but I really like that There's a riot going on. Yeah, there's a riot going on. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and I like and I like them because they're kind of like a Trevor Chove of undiscovered gems for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... I can listen to their albums and I can recognize what makes it Yola Tango, but also what makes it different. And I just, I just like them. Like they can't really do a lot wrong for me. Um, and so that's, that's kind of a band that personifies this late bloomer aesthetic because I've never, unlike you, I didn't like get into them and just follow them forever. Kind mm-hmm. of, but every time they put something out, I'm happy. I'm happy to grab it. You know, yeah. it's good. It's good. So, um, I think this album is just a joy to listen to. I really, I really like it. Um, it's got some shoegaze. It's got some minimalism. It's very emotional. It's unabashedly romantic. Um, it's kind of like love songs for awkward and cutely nerdy people. Um, it's very. I make my wife uh, love me. You know, since we even first met, I've made her a variety of love mixes through the years. Oh yeah. And I probably, I probably would get one out again every two years at this point. <laughs> but Yola Tingo is by far the band that's on there the most. Oh yeah. Because they, because they they're these dorky love songs, but they're also like, which you know, these aren't kids anymore, like falling in love. You know, right? They've been they've been together for forty years. <laughs> like, and I appreciate that as a you know. A man who's been married almost thirteen years, like that. There's there's a lot of mat- elements of mature loving relationship that keeps going. Like it's not all just yeah, this new teenage love stuff, you know. No, not at all, not at all. Um, I find it very calm at times, even when the guitars are thrashing about mm-hmm. and it's kind of like ostensibly rocking or loud. There's like a hypnotic quality to it, which Yola Tango mm-hmm. does very very well. 
Um, I think this is a, a great, they, 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 they have a great sense of building musical tension over some of the, lo- the longer tracks um, mm-hmm. and knowing when to add sort of lo- like ostensibly simple guitar parts and lines to, you know, to add to the, the thing that's going on. They're very, um, they're very good at that. Um, it seems to me that this is the first real Yola Tango album. It's their first one for Matador. And I think it was in the reissue I was reading how Matador was like, yeah, we'll sign Yola Tango. They're available. What are you talking about? <laughs> we, you know, like Matador used to be used to be awesome. Uh, label, you know, they're still home awesome. Yeah, they are. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Matador later. On. Okay, yeah, label home to Pavement and 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 many others. Um, and it also lays out uh, this album has like an album arc that uh, they would return to over and over again on their later albums, just completely satisfactory. You know, even to this day. You've got some screaming guitar rockers. You've got some little instrumental interludes. You've got the acoustic sweet broken heart song. You've got the one catchy song. You've got the 11 plus minute song to close the albums. Like it's just a, they have their own. There's, I really love bands that when you hear them, you just know this is, this is that band, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, even with as eclectic as they get in their sound, you know, from doing these, country folky songs to these screeching feedback drenched oh yeah crazy stuff like they do it all but yeah somehow you can tell it's them anyway totally totally and it just sounds like them um so my very my very favorite ones are nowhere near that's the obvious highlight for me Mm -hmm. um the song from a motel six which is a sweet sweet dylan reference that actually sounds nothing like the song it takes his title from um from a buick six off of highway 61 revisited I didn't actually know it was a Dylan reference. Oh yeah, for but sure. Dylan's one of the one of the people they've covered the most times. But oh, is that right? Right, the Kinks and Velvet Underground and Dylan, I would say, are probably the ones they've done the most. Yeah, that makes sense. That would make sense. Uh, they do a couple of great covers on the uh, "I'm Not There" soundtrack. Um, one of which oh, yeah. is like sounds unnervingly like Dylan from that period. It's like, mm-hmm. how do they do that? Um, I love the song "Big Day Coming." Oh, see, uh, I, sorry, I said from a Motel 6 is the one that did twice. It's not. It's Big Day Coming. Yeah, Big Day Coming. My apologies, everybody. Hey. Screw it up. Guys, don't look at the track listing. And it's don't okay. blame Charlie. Calm it down. And then I'm, of course, very into the final song, I Heard You Looking, which I think mm-hmm. is a perfect album closer. It just, mm-hmm. it just rocks you to sleep like a little baby, you know? A little, right. a little indie it, it rock. rocks you to sleep. A little indie rock you. baby. I know. I love it when they start screeching the guitars. It's still calming somehow. I don't know how right. to do that. Uh, for some of my least favorite songs, I never did like a sudden organ. Not my favorite song. No. Um, I could do without the second version of Big Day Coming. Um, it's okay. kind of a banger, but I just like the first one better. Um, and then like a lot of uh, Yola Tango fans, uh, or maybe not, I don't know. Um, I really love it when Georgia sings, and I don't love it as much when Ira or James sings. Um, I don't think James sings on this one. So maybe it's just Ira. I think it's just Ira. All right. Well, that's always a bit of a nitpick, nitpick for me, um, except I love his singing on Everything Turned Itself Inside Out. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, he completely redeems himself. Uh, but that's another pod for another day. In the meantime, I really like Painful, and I really liked listening to it again. Um, and I give it a 2.0 out of 5. So you were right hey, on, really? sir. Hey, hey wee, wee, wee. All right. So well my done. Thoughts on... oh. oh, sorry. Whoa. Well done. Okay. Let me interrupt that, you one more time. <laughs> okay. <There. laughs> uh, 
I never talk. I, I, I don't have my notes to talk about Matter Records earlier, which I apparently didn't do. I skipped over it. I'll come back to it. So I was reading a couple of reviews, and uh, I want to review just to, like get other people's thoughts on this. And I, I found a Pittsburgh review of Extra Painful of the uh, Deluxe Edition that I really feel like sums it up really well. Lina, what makes Painful so eminently approachable after all these years is that it manages to sound like a fully realized, band-defining statement, yet unpretentiously off-the-cuff at the same time. Yeah. I feel like that sums it up really nicely. Yeah, it does. It's one of those albums where, I, to me, I can't think of like what what song you'd get rid of or something. It has this really great narrative arc. It feels like a very complete whole. Sudden organ. Um, well, Gary Lee doesn't like Sudden organ, but Sudden organ doesn't like you, so it's, it's okay. Yeah, I know it doesn't. It told me. Um... There's a mixture, you know, it's a nice mixture of guitars, drums, and sweet, sweet rock organ. Oh, I don't yeah. know how rock organ, like, organ and rock don't feel like they should go together, you know? It's oh, like, are you hey, kidding me? That's like... Uh... a gigantic instrument that belongs in church, and, and let's put it in, in rock music. But somehow, you know, you get bands like The Doors that did it way back then. And... In a God of the Vida, honey. <laughs> don't you know and, that? Uh, and Yola Tango sure as heck does it unpainful. There is tons of organ on this. It's real it's tasty. It's a sudden organ. Well, only on one trick is it sudden. The rest of the time, it, <laughs> the rest hits. it eases your way right in. I mean, the album starts with nothing but organ, so there's that. That's true. I do um, like the organ. This is right in the edge of Shoegazer, which is something I didn't necessarily think about until listening to this most totally. recent time. There's yeah. lots of loud, fuzzed-out guitars. There's tons of feedback. It's not aggressive. It's sweet, and it's dreamy, and it's melodic. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. a sweet, down-to-earth vocals. Ira has this very... Uh, I agree that I like I like George's vocals better than Iris, but Ira I like because he's just very he's a very everyman singer. Like he's just yes. there's some that don't even sound like they're singing. Like it's charming. We, we talked about Ben Gibbard earlier. He's actually one of those two where he has these very like conversational. It almost doesn't sound like he's singing. Like I, I kind of like his voice because it's so unpretentious and just normal. And Iris like that too. Mm-hmm. And especially on his earlier albums, sometimes he was trying too hard, and this one he just feels like he's just being the you know himself, which I like too. George's vocals are very, like, they're just so cool. Like, there's oh, just yeah. something about her. Also, she just sounds so cool. She does sound cool. She is cool. Well, she's not. She's just totally normal and dorky like the rest of them. But right. Just singing. But that makes her cool. She sounds cool. Um, it's really consistent sonically. I feel like it's cohesive. No song's out of its place. And it's interesting to compare this to the immediate follow-ups, Electro Pure, and I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One, because those albums uh, delight in being very different sonically and having a bunch of different genres. Mm-hmm spread across them and uh, I think those have been described especially as I can hear the heart as uh, it's kind of like the album as a mixtape because mm. that album explores so many different genres and so many different styles across it um, and then it feels like it's very carefully curated and put together like a mixtape does but Painful is not like that at all like it has a very consistent sound yeah. which they got into in a lot of their later albums again too there's only a few of those like uh, like I'm Not Afraid of You and I Will Beat Your Ass right. is another lots of different genres that's true and uh, popular songs I feel like it's kind of in the middle but then you get like Fade is very consistent sonically again mm-hmm. so it's consistent and hangs together so nicely and completely clicks in a way that's hard to explain um, and this was a kind of a big deal for Matador Records because Matador Records you know they started in 1990 was their first releases came out oh is that it? Somehow in the 90s alone Jake <laughs> they managed to sign the following bands yeah <laughs> Pavement uh-huh. This Fair Guided by Voices, yeah. Sleater Kinney, Bell and Sebastian, Boards of Canada, The John Spencer Blues Explosion, oh Super Chunk, Modest Mouse, Cornelius, and The Fall. That's, and that's just the 90s. I stopped, I stopped at 1999. I didn't even look past then. Yeah. So they somehow managed to do this, and but they're really big early bands that kind of like, they kind of set 
what Matador was about is Pavement and Yellow Tango. For sure. And Yellow Tango is still, they're still on Matador, and they're by far Matador's longest-running act, because their first release was 1993. It was a single, a non-album single before Painful, and they're still there now, you know? So they've been on this label for almost 30 years. Um, but it's just yeah, interesting. They kind of come synonymous. They're such an important part of Matador and, you know, all they represent and all they do right now. Anyway, um, I love this album, and listening again is just like... Man, do I love this album. I'm glad to listen to it. And it rose so dramatically in my estimation. I'm giving this baby a four, Jake. Oh, a plus four. Oh, baby. Wow. So much. You know, that's not painful, if you know not what I painful, mean. Not painful. Give it a score. And it's still my second or third favorite Yolo Tango album. Oh, really? Still a four, yeah. 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 I mean, I like a lot of Yolo Tango. I, 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 didn't, I didn't do my list, but I, it would be like, I don't know, fifth or sixth, maybe. Fifth. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Whoa. I don't know. Whoa. Maybe. Whoa. Maybe. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. You know, get back to me. Hey. About it. Hey, Jake. Yeah. Next episode. All right. So next time, uh, we are going to move on to a different theme. It's called, uh, it's it's albums with a unique vocalist. Mm. Okay. So uh, number 29, which is the next episode, will be me and Charlie, but mostly me, talking about Aldous Harding's 2019 record, Designer. She's a very beguiling voice, and I can't wait to make you listen to it because I really love I that album. Listened, I've never listened to it. It's one of my favorites of 2019, and yeah. uh, I just—it's one of those weird ones you just want to kind of put on every once in a while, yeah. just to just to see what shakes out. But she's got a very interesting voice, so we'll talk about that next time on Louder Than Sound. Oh, baby.